The Sons of Saturday podcast is brought to you by our friends at Main Street Pharmacy. Located right on Main Street in Blacksburg, Virginia, Main Street Pharmacy is proudly owned by a Hokie family and has been a partner of this podcast since 2020. MSP offers free delivery, curbside pickup, and vaccinations as well. If you are a student or resident in the Blacksburg area, you can always trust that at Main Street Pharmacy, you are not just a number, you are a neighbor. everybody it is thursday august 24th yes this is going to come out a little bit after that don't freak out we are on mike mcdaniel time he has put down the baby and actually before while i'm being hard on mike mcdaniel i'm I'm going to give one warning shot across mike mcdaniel's bow oh no this is the this is i think the fourth year of virginia tech football kicking off where we have been intertwined in putting out content relating Virginia Tech together. I have still not met Mike McDaniel. We have been through a (laughs) pandemic. We have been through four football seasons. I don't know how tall he is. I don't know what he smells like. I don't know what kind of beer he drinks. I know that he knows Virginia Tech football. I know he seems like a great guy who loves the Celtics, and we talk in a group chat every single day, but I have not met him yet. Mike, tell me right now what games you're going to. So I can find you multiple. We're in multiple group chats, Billy, multiple not just, group chats. Celtics not just group one. Chat. No, we are in, we are in multiple group chats. What football game are you going to this football season? What's up, Ed? What'd you say? That's just out of control. <laughs> Completely out of control. It's not my, it's not, it's, it, 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 it's not a hundred percent my fault. I'll take some ownership here. I'll take some ownership. Cause I'm all over the country. I could have, I could have breezed by. That's but, true. Uh, what games are you going to this year? Probably NC State in November would be the one. Okay. I am okay. uh, in a lot of weddings that happen to be uh, home yes. game weekends. So it's one of those okay. uh, catch 22 like fall weddings season. Yeah. It, yeah. A good thing Pat isn't here because that's what the whole podcast would be about if, if he was. Um, but I will be that's seeing true. you, Mike McDaniel. I'll have a sweatshirt on. We'll have a beer. It'll be it'll be great. This is, this is the year. This is the this year. Is the year. It is the 2023 Virginia Tech football season preview. I stepped outside today. There were leaves on the ground. I went to Starbucks. I had a uh, pumpkin spice cold brew today. It's it's happening. It got into the upper 60s in New Jersey. It, it It's here. It, it, it's time. So I'm fired up. I'm joined by Mike McDaniel. I'm joined by Ed Williams, who's enjoying himself at the lake house. He looks like he's having a really, really tough time with his, uh, with his sunburn and and the waves crashing in and just enjoying the outside. But as always, we will kick this off with a haiku or two. Grant Watson says, football is so back. Conference realignment sucks. Hokies win eight games. Agreed on all three fronts. And Allison Elkins, she uh, DM'd this today. Game week is now here, ready to jump for the Hokies. Let's beat Old Dominion. And as we do every single year, we're just going to portray the information 
the preseason lines and awards for this football team. The win total is five and a half. I may or not may or may not have two hundred dollars on the over. Conference championship, Virginia Tech plus ten thousand. For those of you out there feeling bullish. And preseason all ACC, we have Ollie Jennings on the second team, and we have Basil Tootin on the third team. Mike, Ed, any bets out there? Anything you want to say on any of that information so far? I do have uh, half of your wager on the over as well. I think this team is better than Vegas gives them credit, and I also have had um, – had some money on Virginia Tech to cover their spread against ODU in week one for about a month or two now. So uh, I've had some money just floating out there in the atmosphere, and hopefully it lands back in my pocket in a week here. But uh, I, I do like the over, and I do like Virginia Tech in that first game. After that, crapshoot, who knows? I like Tech against Old Dominion. I am staying off of the win total because this could go a lot of different directions. I think Virginia Tech could win seven games. I think Virginia Tech could win like four games. I think a lot of it depends on health of like several key position groups, which of course we'll get into. Absolutely. And I think a huge, we're going to break down the schedule later, but I think September is so crucial to this. Gigantic. A September, a September where we play five games, which an extremely I don't remember it happening. Schedule. Yes, it's a very I, I don't remember a month that we played five games in. I'm sure it's happened before, but uh, alas, we're doing it in the month of September. So we're going to start with the offensive side of the ball. I'm going to read some statistics. Y'all aren't going to like them, but they're the statistics. In 2022, we had a 313 yards per game, which was 120th in America. We had 19.3 points per game, which was 118th in America and 31% conversion rate on third down, which was 119th in America out of 131 teams. Not great. Now, there is a ton of room for improvement. And before we get into the first position preview of quarterback, I'm going to turn it over to you, Mike McDaniel. But the one thing that I've been saying all spring, summer, and getting into the fall now, if you are blaming the shortcomings of Virginia Tech on Grant Wells's shoulder, exclusively you're wrong the unit was bad top to bottom from everywhere and i think the the talent ceiling has been improved i think we've had a young coaching staff that has learned from last year has talked about what they've learned from last year we've made some changes in that staff room um so i just want to say before we get into the quarterbacks we all need to do an exercise of recognizing that you can't be that bad because of one person that is not how that works so um, we announced yesterday that Virginia Tech was going to name Grant Wells the starter. Kyron Drones was going to play in every single game. Um, that's kind of what we predicted after the spring game or even before then. But Mike McDaniel, what do you see out of the quarterback room this year? I see an elevated floor. Like, look across the roster offensively. Tech got better. At receiver, they got better at running back. Uh, Grant Wells didn't have a lot to work with last year. He just, I mean, flat out he didn't, right? Caleb Smith was a good receiver at Virginia Tech. Caleb Smith was the number one receiver on last year's team. Caleb Smith is a number three receiver on ACC team. Um, 
this was a depleted and that's nothing against Caleb Smith, by the way, this is just, it was a depleted room, right? And you instantly up the talent through the transfer portal in the receiving room. The fact that Brent Pry came out and named his top four wide receivers and three of them are transfers tells you everything you need to know about the state of the wide receiver room coming out of last year and into this year. The receivers will be better. The running back room, Malachi Thomas put on weight. He's healthy, finally, it looks like. That'll be huge. Bashel Tootin coming in. I think he'll his game will translate to the ACC quite well. I, I think, you know, Grant Wells is going to have more weapons at his disposal. And I think that's the that's the biggest thing for me is he's going to have receivers now who are going to be able to gain more separation than they were able to a year ago. That'll certainly help him. Hopefully there's an improved running game that will certainly help him, you know, in the passing game as well. I, I think the floor is elevated. I don't know what Grant Williams or Grant. Uh, I would say Grant Williams, Bill. You would like that, huh? I don't know what Grant <laughs> Wells' ceiling is, right? You know, it, it could be what we saw at Marshall before he arrived at Virginia Tech, which, you know, he's prone to making some mistakes, but he's definitely prone to making some plays too. I am pretty certain, though, that last year is the worst version of Grant Wells. Like, I'm, I'm certain of that. I don't think it could get worse than last year. And I think now with the added talent in the room, I do think with with Wells as a starting quarterback, I think that was the move that made the most sense for Brent Pry. Kyron Drones is is real raw as a talent. Like he hasn't played a lot of college football. He didn't play a ton of meaningful snaps at Baylor. Didn't really play his last year of high school football either. Like this is a kid that just needs some time. Doesn't mean I don't think he'll contribute in some way, shape, or form this year. Uh, but I think Damon Grant Wells as a starter made the most sense. I agree with you. I think the one consistent thing about Grant Wells is he is turnover prone. Um, We saw nine interceptions last year in his year at Marshall that I always point back to, which I think is more reflective of his um, of his talent level. He did throw for thirty five hundred yards. He did throw for 16 touchdowns, but he also had 13 interceptions. So the the one thing that I would say if, if I hope Grant Wells has improved upon is just decision making pocket presence. I talked about this on our last podcast. I think that's going to be completely crucial. Um, Ed, I do want to ask you what your thoughts are on the two quarterback system that Coach Pry implied that there would be. Now, you have to take that a little bit in jest with the fact that you're making other teams have to prepare for a running quarterback. Um, What would you say your ideal scenario is with a two quarterback system like that? My personal opinion is the ideal scenario for a two quarterback system is you only have one quarterback. If you have two quarterbacks, you don't have any, in my opinion. Um, We've seen that across college. We've seen that in the NFL time and time again. You know, you've got, you know, this guy's going to have a package here and that kind of thing. It it just doesn't seem to work out. Um, Kyron Jones could be completely different and he could come in and he will add a different element that Grant doesn't really have. And I think there'll be a time in the season when, Kyron needs to play really well for this team to reach its goals and aspirations. But in general, I'm not a fan of the two quarterback system. I think it just plants doubt in the head of the starter. I think it plants doubt in the head of the offensive meeting rooms. Um, But, you know, obviously there are two different skill sets there that those guys present. And one of the skill sets in, in terms of Kyron drones is the ability to run the ball, which is something that the staff has kind of harped on repeatedly since they got the job. And it's something that historically, offenses of teams that Brent Pry was on the staff of have quarterbacks who can run. And Grant is more mobile than I think our fan base probably gives him credit for. He can move a little bit, but it's not his strength. So 
they're going to find a way to get Kyron on the field, and they should. He's he's a talented, really good athlete. But in general, I'm not a huge fan of um, splitting it up. Definitely not a fan of, a fan of scripting it, where you know, two drives, one drive, two. I don't. I hate that. And I've seen teams do it before, and it just feels like, you know, what if Grant's playing really well for two drives? Are you still going to stick with the script and go to Kyron? Like, it, it's just there's a lot up in the air there that I'm not a huge fan of, but. Uh, if that's what the staff feels gives the team the best chance to win early in the season, we'll see how it shakes out. You you give both guys a shot and you hope that one grabs a hold of it is I think probably the real thought process. If you had to, you know, strap Brent Pry to a true a lie detector test, it's you, you play them both and you hope one takes a stranglehold of the job. Yeah, I think again, and uh, I mentioned this last night, the most important thing if you're going to do this is do you trust that both quarterbacks are going to be able to handle it? And you do you trust your offensive coordinator's ability to read the situation and put the guys in the right in the right place. If is Grant Wells going to go into a game looking over his shoulder? Is Kyron Drones when he gets in there going to be like, am I going in here for one or two plays? Um, it really just boils down to how all of them are going to handle it in the moment and how they're going to handle it outside of that. So we shall see. We shall see. The one thing that I think everybody should be excited about is this wide receiver room. Um, a ton of new faces. Mike, what do you think about the wide receivers this year? Mike McDaniel is on mute. Sorry, a deeper rookie, room. Rookie move, rookie Ooh, move. Man, <laughs> for a guy for a guy podcasted as much as you man. I, I, I would say, podcast. yeah. Um, <laughs> Jalen Lane, like he's the one that stands out to me because I know Ali Jang's gang, and he, great receiver, getting a lot of attention, all justifiably so. Um, uh, the the big deal for me with Jalen Lane is Tech has not had a receiver like Jalen Lane before um, really you even think back to like Fuente's tenure, like they were really lacking that burner wide receiver lane provides that um, they certainly haven't had one under pry yet. Like he's, he's a guy who I think is going to step up and provide a versatile skill set at the receiver position. that tech simply just hasn't had in a really long time. I think Jennings will be really good. Um, I, I thought it was interesting. Steven Gosnell has kind of emerged as that fourth receiver. I think that's certainly interesting. Um, but this is a really deep room. Um, and, and I think obviously it's highlighted by by Lane and Jennings. And we'll see what Felton brings to the table as well. Um, I certainly expect Daquan Felton to have an impact too. But this is a deep receiver room. Three of the top four receivers on the depth chart going into the year. Transfers mentioned that earlier. I think that says everything you need to know about the receiving room. I, I think it's definitely upgraded. I think it'll be interesting to see how it plays out now moving forward. But uh, th- this is a a group that was lacking in talent a year ago, and I just don't believe that's the case coming into this year. I think it's definitely a talented bunch. Not just a talented bunch, but very similar to, I guess, the inverse of what we see at tight end now. It's a unit that has so much more veteran leadership, not necessarily an orange and maroon, but guys who have done it before. I, I, how much do you think coming from a lower level of football, if that's what you want to call it, for a guy like Basil Tootin, for a guy like Ali Jennings, for a guy like Felton, how do you think that – do you pay a lot of attention to that? Because to me, if you're a football player, you're a football player, and they're more talented than who we had over the last couple of years, how much do you think that factors in? Not too much. Really, I mean, coming in as a transfer, especially if you're like a veteran player, like a lot of these guys are, I don't think it matters nearly as much. What matters more to me is like, do they fit the scheme? 
And I think these guys fit the scheme, which I think is infinitely more important if you're coming in as a veteran. If you're coming in as like a, a redshirt freshman, you're transferring in from a lower lower level of football. Maybe it's a little bit different. You're still getting used to a college game, still developing as a player. Uh, but, you know, for guys like Jennings, uh, who, you know, played FBS football, but more like Felton and, you know, we're talking about Bayshell too. And like those guys, they've been around a while, right? Like they've, pl- they've played a good amount of college football, even though it hasn't been like ACC caliber football. They've kind of been there, done that. They've been around the block. They understand how important it is to be a college football player. That's just stuff you're not concerned about with veterans, right? You're more concerned about that with the younger guys who are transferring in out of programs. So uh, to me, it's more about the scheme fit. I think these guys fit the scheme. I think that's what's most important. Moving over to the tight end room, this is an extremely young group. Um, We don't have the specific details on Nick Gallo. We do know that he's hurt. Um, The one thing that I want to say about Nick Gallo is actually something that I think happens on a lot of teams for a lot of players is last year people were clamoring saying, why is Daquan Knight playing more? Why is Nick Gallo playing so much? The reason that that was probably happening was because Nick Gallo had so much experience. And for the things that Daquan Wright does with the football, Nick Wright does really well without the football, whether it's blocking, whether it's alignment, whether it's assignment. And that's not an indictment on Daquan Wright. That's more just you've been in the system for much longer. You're older. It's not your first year playing college football. So I do think that that loss for however long it's going to be is significant. Um, But Behind him, we do have Daquan Wright, who showed great flashes as a freshman. Benji Gosnell, who the coaching staff has raved about. Harrison St. Germain, who the coaching staff has raved about. And Zeke Wimbush. The only problem with that is Daquan Wright's a sophomore. Benji Gosnell is a redshirt freshman. Harrison St. Germain is a redshirt freshman. Zeke Wimbush is a freshman. This is an extremely, extremely young group. Um, So I think... A lot of people are saying the offensive line is the biggest question mark on the team. For me, with the Nick Gallo injury, the tight end room becomes a little bit of a question mark right now at this point um, with so much youth and how important that unit is, not just in the passing game, but how important that game that unit is in the rushing game. So um, anybody have any other thoughts on tight end before I move to offensive line? Yeah, just really quick. I'm really excited about Benji Gosnell. Um, I think he's going to be a really, really good player. People forget kind of he came in as a pretty highly rated recruit, especially where Virginia Tech was at the time in, in terms of recruiting. Um, and Daquan, right, we've seen flashes of him just being super, super talented. Um, and don't sleep on Zeke Wimbish. I've, I've heard and read a lot of good things about uh, how the staff feels about him. Um, so yeah, he tore it up as senior year in, in high-level Virginia high school football. So there's, a, there's talent in that room, but you're right. It's, it's all raw talent. That I think, you know, if Nick is out for a long time, um, getting these guys reps now will hopefully pay dividends right now, but it'll, it'll certainly pay dividends in the future. So there's a kind of a glass half empty, glass half full kind of approach to the tight end room right now, I feel like. But there is talent in that room. Moving over to offensive line, again, some stats you're not going to love, but stats I think that we can improve upon. Gave up three sacks a game last year, tied for 109th. That's 227 total yards of sacks, just just the heads up. Uh, We had 110 rushing yards per game. That was 113th in the nation. And it's either slightly above or even less than what Basil Tootin averaged himself last year, rushing the football. Uh, It's going to be Parker Clements, Bob Schick, Caden Moore, and Braylon Moore, the brothers playing next to each other, and then Xavier Chaplin. 
a lot of people are excited to see Xavier Chaplin. We've heard a lot of things about him. He was banged up last year. He probably would have played last year if he wasn't hurt, which is saying a lot for somebody who was a true freshman at the time. Um, I'm bullish on this unit for a couple of reasons. Number one, I think Caden Moore had an uncharacteristic year last year. He was, and this is a freshman, and that unit at all points, whether it was lining up, whether it was as they're going through their their blocking schemes, just looked disconnected, looked like they had no chemistry, looked like they didn't even really understanding, have a good understanding of the offense itself. So I know we're green. I know it's a lot of new faces. I know Caden Moore is playing a new position. The center position was the biggest question mark probably coming into the season aside from quarterback. And I think this unit is going to be better under Coach Crook. That's not an indictment on our old offensive line coach. I just think everything that we've heard is he simplified the scheme a little bit. And um, and that's essentially it. And I think unless anybody else has any other points on the offensive line, I think the running back room is the reason why this unit is going to be better because the talent at the running back position is is as good as I can remember it for quite some time. Only thing I want to say about the offensive line is if the unit stays healthy, I think it has a chance to be pretty good. If there's an injury or two, especially at offensive tackle, it could get dicey real quick. And that's where the Nick Gallo injury at tight end really starts to become a much larger issue is if you start getting guys injured at the tackle position Nick Gallo was the team's best run blocker at tight end last year and he wasn't even that good at it from a pro football focus standpoint he did not grade out very well as a run blocker but he was the best run blocker at the position on the roster that's a little bit concerning if tech starts losing bodies at tackle um you know, if Chaplin gets banged up again, I think we probably see Parker Clements slide over to left tackle. I think that's what would make the most sense. He's the veteran on the offensive line. But then what are you doing at right tackle? Uh, it, it's a really, really just young unit from a starting position player standpoint there. And then from, you know, the depth pieces behind them, it's just it's a young offensive line. So stay healthy. You'll be fine. Don't stay healthy that's where you really start to get some concerns. Yeah. I'll, I'll give my O-line take and then I'll parlay it into running backs. But um, I, I'm a big fan of the Ron Crook hire. I thought Brent Pry nailed that one. Um, I was never a huge fan of, you know, the prior O-line coach. I thought there was just kind of wasn't a good fit for Virginia tech. And um, my opinion was he was always going to use it as a job to go elsewhere. And that's exactly what he did. So uh, maybe there was a one foot in, one foot out situation there, but I like what Coach Pry did with Ron Crook, and I think Ron Crook will um, pretty quickly elevate this group to, you know, at the very least, slightly better than it was last year. And with the running back room, that might be enough. And I love the Moore brothers; I think they're going to be really good. Um, Chaplin, obviously, is somebody that since he committed to Virginia Tech, Virginia Tech fans have been really excited to see. Uh, kind of a, a, a physical specimen that. You know, those kind of guys go to Georgia and we, you know, we had to hold off the Georgia types to get Xavier Chaplin into Blacksburg. And um, and he's here and he's going to be, you know, playing a huge, huge role as a true sophomore. So I'm really excited about him. But I agree with Mike's overall take. I agree with both of you. I agree that Billy, that I think that this team, this unit is much 
um, better or could be much better than last year. But Mike's point of this is a very fragile room. Um, you know, it, it won't take much to severely lower the ceiling of what this room can do. So uh, you're going to need a lot of freshmen behind that first unit to figure it out really, really quickly in order to have some stability in case there are injuries, which is inevitable over the span of a football season, right? Especially in the offensive line. Um, but in general, I, I agree with you both. I think this team, this unit could be much better, but also at the same time, it, it's pretty it's pretty shallow and fragile in terms of the talent. Um, a lot of just really, really young guys. So I look forward to seeing what Coach Crook can do with it. But um, we'll take that and we'll spin it into the running back room, which is as talented as I think it's been in a long time in Blacksburg. Uh, Baishel Tutin is really good or has been really good. His stats at NCA and T, you know, 1,300 yards, 11 touchdowns as a sophomore. That's really good. Obviously, it's a lower level of football, but um, I think, you know, everything we've heard out of camp and what we saw, very, very limited. And spring ball from Tutin was that, you know, he's he's a legitimate player who who belongs in this level of football. I think he immediately elevates the the ceiling of that room. And then Malachi Thomas is a guy who Virginia Tech fans uh, are familiar with, of course. But, you know, injuries just absolutely plugged his season last year. It was super disappointing for him, I'm sure. But his freshman year, man, he really showed some flashes of really, really good running, uh, mature running, you know, timeliness, a little bit of Khalil Herbert in terms of waiting to, waiting for the hole to develop and then hitting that hole really hard. And I think the time he spent in the weight room will only help him in terms of, you know, his vision and then adding that physicality to his vision. I think if he's a guy who can stay healthy, watch out for Malachi Thomas. I know Coach Pry has talked about him in camp as, you know, this year he's seen things from Malachi he didn't know Malachi had. So I'm really excited to see what kind of season he can put together if he stays healthy. And then uh, my guy, and I know John Yetzi's guy, Chance Black, um, I'm really excited about Chance Black. I think he is super, super versatile. He's you know played a little bit of teams in the past. I don't know if they'll use him in special teams as much this year because I think he's going to play a key role in the in you know week in week out running back game plan. Uh, especially if one of those top two guys goes down, I think Chance is going to matter a lot. And um, you know my hot take was that Chance Black will be the most impactful guy in this room this year. Um, whether that be running the ball or catching the ball out of the backfield, I think he's a super versatile guy who can provide a lot of explosive plays for the Hokies this year. So um, there's other names in this room as well that will play, um, but those are the three that I really wanted to highlight, and I think those are probably the top three guys breaking camp, heading into ODU and in, you know, whatever it is at this point, 10 days from now. So uh, Tootin's really good. Thomas, hopefully he can stay healthy, and Chance Black, you know, the opportunities that he gets, I think he will – firmly take advantage of those. So I'm excited about that room. I would say one of the things that I'm really excited to see this year is what exactly is the identity of Virginia Tech's offense going to be? Because last year it flip-flopped a couple of times. I know Coach Pry is really heavy on wanting to be able to run the ball effectively. Um, And we just don't really know what a Virginia Tech offense is supposed to look like. What exactly are we trying to be and who will we be in 2023 so i think finding that identity is going to be huge and i think from a talent standpoint at running back and at wide receiver you have increased that dramatically it just um you know are we able to know what we do well and execute it at a high level that's going to be what it comes down to for the offensive side of the ball shifting the focus over to the defense here are some stats that you actually might like um, we held opponents to 34% on third down. That's good for 30th in the country. We had the number 39th ranked defense, according to S&P Plus. And 
they did that with an offense that kept kept them on the field for an ungodly amount of time. Um, they had to hold the fort down for three plus quarters, try to make it, try to hold it together. And I think they did a really good job um, given the circumstances that they were given and the talent level on that side of the football. Um, you had a lot of young guys playing. You did not have a lot of depth at the defensive line position specifically. And um, I think Coach Pry and Coach Mar did a really, really good job with that unit last year, again, given the circumstance. So the first position to look at right now is probably the most talented position group from top to bottom. You have the defensive backs where Dorian Strong, a lot of people forget, he played really, really well, had a broken hand last year. He only played in four games, so he'll be coming back next year. Jalen Stroman reminds me so much of his brother. He's just a natural ball player. Uh, he was fourth in tackles in 2022 for Virginia Tech, and he for- forced four forced fumbles last year. I think that's two, actually. I think he forced two fumbles last year. Uh, Nasir Peoples is a tackling machine. He was third in the team in 2022. And then Mansoor D. absolute stud. Another year in the weight room, another year in the film room, another year of going against better talent. When you bring in better talent in the wide receiver room, the best receiver that your defensive back is going to see is not on Saturday every single time. Going against Ali Jennings and going against this group of wide receivers is going to make the defensive backs better. That is how it works. So really, really excited about this unit. Um, And um, again, Coach Jones has done a phenomenal job. Really depends on where you classify the star position and the nickel position. I'll go ahead and give that to Ed. Um, But um, uh, yeah, I'm really, really fired up about the defensive backs this year. Yeah, so I'm not sure that I can fully classify or understand the different distinctions in linebacker positions either, but I will go ahead and jump right in with that star position that we, that Billy was just talking about. Um, I'm a huge fan of Keontae Jenkins. I think he's a really good player. I think he's only going to grow. Uh, I, I, he's obviously a, a very good athlete and I think his instincts and, you know, the more reps he gets, he'll fill out really, really well in that role and, um, you know, fill all the needs there. It's kind of a catch all position. I feel like in my eyes, you know, on any given down that he could line up anywhere. Um, so I'm not sure that I fully understand that role, but I know that I like Keontae Jenkins in it. And I think that he's a guy who's just a very good athlete who any given Saturday can line up and stop the run, could guard, could cover someone one-on-one if he needs to. I'm a big fan of his game. Uh, and right behind him, you know, there's a couple of people battling for that kind of backup there. Uh, but Caleb Woodson, I think, is someone who Virginia Tech fans uh, should keep their eye on this year, but definitely keep their eye on as, as his career develops. I think he's a really good player. Uh, and will continue to grow in that role behind Keontae. But the other linebacker positions, I, I don't know, you know, and my time as a Virginia Tech fan is limited. So Billy might correct me if I'm wrong, but, um, you know, I started really following this team back in 2016. I don't know that our linebacker room has been this athletic maybe since then, maybe since Tremaine left campus because he was that athletic by himself. Um but I don't know that top to bottom this room has been as athletic as it is right now since I've started to pay attention. Um, I think – go ahead, continue. No, I was, I was going to say – and I know Mike has thoughts on this because his, his history goes longer than mine, but I always thought that what was so impressive about what Coach Foster and Coach Wiles did was they did so much with – This is I don't want this to come across the wrong way – but the level of athlete that we had at linebacker compared to some of the other top defenses in the country was just not the same. He maximized what he got out of guys like Chase Williams, Andrew Matua-Puaka. You know, you look at 
Jack Tyler. Jack Tyler. Like the way that they were say. able to, like they were the way that they were able to mold in and maximize their talent level is a huge testament to Coach Foster's ability to coach and just the work ethic and football instincts that those players had. I agree with you. Like, I can only kind of compare watching Kelly Lawson on the field to watching Rodney Rice on the basketball court. You're watching them and you're like, that doesn't look like a prototypical Virginia Tech linebacker. And that's how I felt with Tremaine Edmonds. Tremaine Edmonds doesn't look like your prototypical human being anywhere. Um, but Kelly Lawson is is very similar in that regard. Mike, uh, similar feelings with the linebacker room and, and kind of how different it is now? Yeah, it was it was a priority to make the group more athletic in the last couple of years of Fuente. And that's kind of continued here under Pry. Um this is definitely the most athletic it's been in a while. I, I think, you know, your point, Billy, about kind of, I don't want to say doing more with less because the linebackers you mentioned were really good players, but from an athlete, like straight up athlete standpoint, like Tremaine was kind of on a whole nother level. And it, for the first time, really, since then, I feel like you can point to several players in the room who can kind of, I don't want to say necessarily match the athleticism of Tremaine, but you have guys who can play more like he did. And, you know, Tech hasn't been able to say that in quite some time. Yeah, and it's Kelly Lawson, obviously. With, you know, that's, that's the guy who gets off the bus and everyone's like, whoa. Um, but Jaden Keller is a guy I'm super high on. I think he's just going to continue to make leaps and bounds as the year progresses. And it sounds like he's got a pretty good hold on that role right now. Um, but even right behind him, Jaden McDaniel, really good athlete. Alan Tisdale has played a lot of ball and has been kind of snake bit throughout his career, but is a solid, solid player um, who you definitely want to have in that room. And we talked about Kelly Lawson and uh, George Balance. Is that how you say it? Balance? Balance? I don't know if I'm saying it right, but has gotten a lot of uh, publicity, both from kind of coaches, but a lot of players, a lot of his teammates and his peers in that room and on that defense have had a lot to say about the walk-on. So could be interesting to see how that shakes out. But in general, I'm super high on Jaden Keller. Kelly Lawson, obviously uh, a guy that everybody you know wants to see on the field and succeed. And that's a guy who is somebody who could really truly make a difference at the next level if continue, if things continue to shape, out, shape the way they did his freshman year into his sophomore year uh, and on forward. But it, it's an exciting room that I think has a lot of potential under Coach Marv and Coach Bry. From I'm going to repeat it. I said it on Hot Wings and Hot Takes. I think that this unit's going to lead the team in sacks. I love Coach Marv. Love Coach Marv. I love the aggressive style that he plays. You have Coach Quinn, who's kind of given that room a little extra room, again, depending on how you classify Nichols and, um, and star position. I love the aggressiveness. I, I, I am really, really excited about this, uh, this linebacker core under one more year uh, with Coach Pry and that talent level. Um, defensive line. It is probably the oldest unit on the team. A lot of familiar faces. I feel like we've been watching Mario Kendricks, Narell Pollard, and Josh Fuga play football forever. Um, but Mike, I'm going to leave this to you. What are you seeing up front with the uh, with the defensive line? Definitely feel better about the interior than you do about the de- the defensive ends, right? Antoine Powell Ryland is going to be really good. Like top recruit, played at Florida, was a contributor at Florida in the SEC. He's going to play. He's going to play a lot, and I expect him to be very good. Interior defensive line, I don't know that Kendricks or Pollard or Fuga are like any of them are just like standout, outstanding interior defensive linemen, 
but they're all good. And I think with three of them rotating in and out, like you're going to have a good unit um, on the interior defensive line. Where it gets interesting is on the other side of the defensive line opposite APR, like who's going to emerge there? Um, is it going to be Cole Nelson? Is it going to be CJ McCray? Is it going to be Keyshawn Burgos? Like who's it going to be? Like who's going to step up and kind of, you know, not only provide like that punch at defensive end from a starting standpoint, but from a depth standpoint as well. Virginia Tech needs a pass rush really desperately. Like this was a good unit last year defensively. And it was even better when you consider how poorly the offense played. But the pass rush was kind of lacking last year. And Brent Pry hasn't really been shy about talking about that, how he wants to to really start to get after the quarterback. That kind of starts with the linebacking core we just talked about that's extremely athletic. And it starts with getting more out of your defensive ends from a pass rush standpoint. Um, It's going to be, I think, overall, a pretty good group up front. I'm pretty bullish on the defense as a whole. Uh, But, you know, there are some concerns about the pass rush. I think they're warranted, but I think Tech's got enough players that are going to rotate in and out that I think we'll we'll, we'll see a pass rush at least begin to emerge this year. Because I, you know, we'll get into records and stuff later, but like I see this kind of as a bridge year to like this team really making a jump maybe a year or two from now. I see this kind of as like a good bridge team with some good players and we'll look back and we'll be like, all right, that was a team where you really started to see prize identity and, you know, prize, you know, uh, fingerprints kind of on this program. Uh, but I, I think we're going to start to see tech get after a quarterback a little bit more this year, like any position group, like depth is going to be a little bit more of a concern at defensive end than probably, you know, defensive tackle. Uh, but we'll see who emerges there. Coach Price talked about this when we had him on the podcast, and you and you say, what the hell has happened with the defensive end position? How do we not have any talent? I'm going to tell you exactly what happened in the defensive end position. In the 2020 class, in the top seven, we had three defensive ends that were committed that were really talented. We had Justin Beatles, who was a three-star. We had Robert Wooten, who was a high three-star. And we had Alec Bryant, who was a high three-star. And all three of them are no longer here. And then you see what happens when you have a class where you really focus on one position, you bring in some talented guys, and they're no longer on the roster. So that's what we're dealing with right now. We're dealing with having to fill in the gaps of a much depleted room. Uh, They did a good job in the transfer portal getting our guy APR in here. But um, these are kind of the things where a couple years ago, somebody leaves and you don't think about it. And this is what happens. You have a a room that's really depleted. And um, that's going to be a challenge for this year. Uh, So we need some people to step up. Moving over to special teams, I'm not sure if you guys have any observations. I went pretty, I went pretty ham on the special teams, uh, on the special teams uh, look around here. So, 2022, we blocked one punt, we blocked one kick, we were 39.96 on net punt yards, which is pretty good, 39th in the country, and we were nine for 12 on field goals. You know, it was pretty good there as well. Uh, if you preview it, we have John Love, who is a redshirt freshman from Spartansburg, South Carolina. He hit a 23-yarder against Liberty and executed the crucial fake punt in the game that we were at, Ed, the Liberty football game. Um, huge, <laughs> huge into huge, huge part of, of winning that football game. We pulled out all the stops. And then Peter Moore. Peter Moore is back. 2021, he was an All-American first-team freshman. 2021, he was also third-team All-ACC. I wouldn't say he regressed in 2022. He lost about three yards on his average. He's got a big leg, 24 punts inside the 20 last year, looking to looking forward to him bouncing back. 
And the punt return defense is pretty solid too. 2.9 yards per return. That's good for 11th in America. Um, this unit was much better than I had thought they were until I actually sat down and did the research, um, which is usually how it goes. Um, but look, I think special teams boil down to this. Special teams is a reflection of the uh, one, how disciplined your football team is. Two, how talented some of your younger players are, because if your younger talent is not starting on offense or defense, they're probably on special teams and they're making an impact. So I think as Virginia Tech's talent level continues to raise with the younger players, the special teams will be better. So um, I'm pretty bullish on Virginia Tech special teams. Got to block more, got to block more kicks, got to block more punts. Uh, but Peter Moore did a solid job last year. Um, and um Will Ross, I believe, was our kicker last year, right? It was Will Ross. Um, he has graduated, and now it's uh, it's the John Love Show. So, um, looking forward to it. Any anything I missed from special teams? I'm excited to see Cole back as a coverage guy. Cole back as a coverage guy is exciting. No snaps over the uh, over the field goal kicker's head on uh, Saturday night. Low bar. Don't want to see that again. Low, Low bar. bar. That's right. Just Tucker um, Holloway. Give me the Tucker Holloway show. Yes, that's it. I'm interested to see who returns punts this year. I am. I think it's going to be Tucker Holloway, but we have a lot of talented athletes. I don't know. I'm sure. I'm give sure when Holly Jennings got here, he said he wanted to return. Give me, give me Tucker Holloway on punts and kicks. Give me a lot of Tucker Holloway. Yep. Okay. Um, things that we need to see. Again, one of those segments that I just make up because I have something that I want to say. And if you guys have something, you could say it too. Um, look, what I'm looking for out of the football team this year. Um, is organization, discipline, and understandment. Last year, we had 60 yards of penalties per game last year. Making up words. Um, <laughs> looking up words. We lost the turnover margin last year. Time management, late game situations, missed assignments. Like It's year two. We had a ton of young players last year. We had a ton of young coaches in new positions last year. What did we learn from that and how have we adjusted i think if we're able to just be 20 or 30 percent better in these situations you probably win more games last year and you definitely win more games this year so that is that is my biggest what am i looking at this football season alignment assignment discipline those are the three things that i'm looking for this year can i just add something super quick so i know ed's got a few things here to add but of course the one the one thing i want to see and it just it's a simplistic statement, but it encompasses everything that you just said, Billy, and some items that Ed's going to touch on in a second. I want to see if this team has figured out how to win. Like we're going to talk about making a bowl game. I, I just want to see tech win some of these games are supposed to win. When you're up in the fourth quarter, can you close a good team out? Can you close out some of these 50-50 games, right? Like the one that sticks out in my mind last year is that NC State game. Tech had NC State on the ropes. They're starting a freshman quarterback, MJ Morris, who, by the way, is going to be a stud whenever he actually gets to play. Um, Tech had the lead for most of the game. They were playing a lot better than NC State team that was certainly more talented than Tech was a year ago. Couldn't close it out. Can you find a way to start to close some of those games out, right? Um, That's really what I want to see. Yeah, mine are... I'll keep it super quick. Uh, Mine are just consistency week in and week out. I don't really want to see this team get kind of too high or get too low. Let's just stay, kind of stay in that middle ground, stay really consistent. Um, and don't let moments get too big or, you know, 
just stay in that middle. Just go like this, even keel all year long. And I think we'll be in a good place. And we talked about this a little bit earlier. Billy touched on this, but I really want to see a true identity. I want to see an identity form from Coach Marv's unit. I want to see an identity form from Coach Bowen's unit. I want to know who we are um, as the season progresses heading into the future with these two young uh, new offensive coordinators who I think are like uber talented guys. Um, and I, I have faith in their ability to lead those units forward. But I just want to see the building blocks of an identity start to develop with on both offense and defense, as I think last year there was a little bit of a who are we experiment going on throughout the year. Um, and I think that that's probably solved heading into this season. So I just want to see the foundation get laid for, you know, what both of those coaches want going forward and what we should expect going forward. Suns awards, preseason awards, completely guesses, probably not going to be right, but we're going to, we're going to say them anyway, offensive player of the year. I'm going with Basial Tootin. I am so excited to watch this guy play again. I am a believer in, if you are a ball player, you are a ball player and that's going to translate. Um, I think he's going to get a ton of touches. I think that we are looking for a rejuvenation in the running back room. Um, so Basial Tootin is my submission for offensive player of the year. Yeah, Daquan Felton, 6'5", 207. Grant Wells likes to sling it. Daquan's going to go get it. I, I, I think he's going to have an awesome year in the receiver room. I think he'll be our most productive and most valuable wide receiver. I, you know, Find me a 6'5 wide receiver that Virginia Tech's had in the last few years. Um, and I also think he looked really, really good in spring game, which doesn't mean a whole lot, but you know, I'll take what I can get. So I'm going with Daquan Felton. The physicality there is something we haven't had in a long time. Something else we haven't had in a long time. Speed, 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 Jalen Lane. So uh agree with everything Ed said. I'm just gonna go with the other receiver. <laughs> I think this is another thing. I, I've I think that we maybe have had Felton, Lane, and Tucker Holloway take a back seat to how excited everybody is for Ollie Jennings. Um the wide receiver room is not the Ollie Jennings show. Ollie Jennings is gonna be great and I'm excited about him. But I think that it's kind of gotten lost in in all of this conversation how uh, how much he can uh, how much that unit has improved from top to bottom. Defensive player of the year, I'm going to go with Dorian Strong. I think he's a really solid player. Didn't get to play a lot last year. Um, I'm really excited to see uh, to see Dorian Strong play this year. Go ahead, Mike. Antoine Powell, Island. No, no, no explanation needed. Uh, Jaden Keller, I think, he's, <laughs> I think he's been the best linebacker and the most productive player on the defense. And most improved player this year. I'm going to go first. It's going to be Grant Wells because God, the expectation, the expectation for Grant Wells could not be lower. And I, 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 I think he has the talent. I genuinely think that he has the talent. And he, he has been given so many more weapons to work with. And he's been given the keys to the, to the job now. Tyler Bowen has learned a lot. I'm going to go with Grant Wells. Um, and I think that's more of a reflection of kind of where everybody is ranking him right now to where I think he can sit at the end of the year when we're, when we're done with it. So that, that's my submission. I was actually going to say Grant Wells, which is why I was so frustrated that you said that. Um for this, for the exact same reason, I don't look. I don't think Grant Wells is going to all of a sudden be like a four thousand yard passer in the ACC or something like that. But I do think he's a lot better than he showed last year. And 
like I mentioned earlier, I think, you know, his ceiling could be what we saw at Marshall, right? I, I Billy, you mentioned this earlier, and I totally agree. He's going to turn the football over a little bit, right? He he takes some risks. Um, he's going to throw the ball in the tight coverage. He's going to turn the ball over a little bit. If he limits those mistakes, I think he has a chance to be pretty good. And I think he's going to give Tech a chance to win. And more importantly, even just, you know, he's not going to be the reason why Tech loses as many games as they did last year, right? I, I think he's just, there's going to be an elevated floor to the offense. There's an elevated floor, I think, to Grant Wells' game just because his skill position guys around him. Can I uh, say one thing? I, let me say one thing. I know you will. I thought, anyway. this, is a, <laughs> I, I thought this is a great point. Uh, too deep had on um, too deep had on bum chillips, who's an absolute legend on Twitter. And he made a great point. He made it. He made a great point. He said, when has Virginia tech ever needed to score a million points to compete? And I think that stands true. I don't think Grant Wells needs to go out there and be Michael Vick. Grant Wells needs to go out there, have sustained drives take advantage of who he has in the skill position room and not turn the ball over. That is what we are asking you to do. I am asking you, Grant Wells, <laughs> to be the blonde version of Michael Brewer. We don't need you to throw for 100 million yards. I need you to be reliable. I need you to be tough. I need everybody to like you. And that's it. And you're going to win some football games. So that's what I'm saying. I, I'll go ahead and stamp. I wasn't even thinking about this before. Grant Wells, be blonde Michael Brewer, and we will have a good football season. Ed. Michael Brewer, good golfer. Um, <laughs> my most improved player, uh, this kind of goes hand-in-hand with Grant, but uh, two skill position guys, Chance Black, who I touched on earlier, I think he's got the got the chance to be uh, a very, very productive player in this offense, uh, catching the ball out of the backfield, running the ball in between the tackles. I think Chance Black's got a really good skill set that can help us. Uh, especially this year. And then XTB, man, Xavier Turner Bradshaw. I think he's a guy, um, I think we're going to see a lot of him this year. I, I, I think the staff has kind of quietly alluded to it, um, but it, you, the guy's a firecracker, and I think he's someone who has uh, has earned his way onto the playing field and will be, uh, <laughs> this is a terrible joke, an X-Factor for the Hokies this year. <laughs> With that cringe joke, I will pass the mic back to Billy Ray. Um, we are going to do the exercise and, and, and full transparency. It's a stupid exercise. This is a dumb exercise. There, there's the, the putting any validity or any Not emphasis on it. it makes no sense. Uh, well, I mean, at the end of the day, injuries happen, stuff happens, you know, yeah. and then you play that game. You play that game when you readjust your expectations, either up or down. And then you say, well, if we were to enter the month of November and we would be this and this, I would take that. So, you know, but the game's fun. So we're going to play the game. We're going to go down the schedule. Don't hold yourself accountable by the wins and losses. You're going to have your wins and losses, but I, wa- I want to get the net feel of how you feel about each game. Old Dominion, September 2nd. Feeling pretty good about it. Win. Yep. Win. Purdue game. I have no idea. I know we're playing at home. I know that they were great in the Big Ten last year, and their coach left, and they lost a bunch of talent. I think that's a toss-up. Don't they have think- Drew on staff? Is that Drew Brees made it. Is that a thing that continued? Just, or was that, it was, was just, that- just oh, for okay. the ball. Yeah, just for the ball game. Ah, okay. the, Purdue, the Purdue game is – one of those games that I think is really important 
at home to show that you're making progress in a rebuild. Year one coach, new staff entirely, new offense almost entirely. Purdue's got a ton of questions. You get that game at home. It's still a Big Ten opponent. They're a team that's kind of on your level. It's a 50-50 type game. Those are the ones I think you, you got to try to win. Power five opponent. Show you're making progress in a rebuild. Well, I mean, if they had Drew Brees, I would have said that, they're gonna, that we would lose the game, but they don't. Agreed, so yeah. gonna win. <laughs> no, I, I like I like Virginia Tech against Purdue. I wish it wasn't a nooner, but I like Virginia Tech. Pandonium in Piscataway. The <laughs> game that we are all uber excited for against Rutgers in Piscataway on September 16th. Look, I I think they have a good coach. I think that their talent level is probably higher than if you just pulled out your roster and you said, oh, we play Rutgers. Rutgers sucks. Um I think it's a toss-up. If I had to say which one of the two out of Purdue and Rutgers I feel better about, I probably would say I feel better about Rutgers. Um, I would say toss-up leading leading to win. I feel better about Purdue because it's at home. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Rutgers is a weird... I, that's a weird spot to go play. Like, I... Shiano's got them. Shiano's gotten well coached. Like they're not a great mm-hmm. team, but Shiano's gotten well coached. That's going to be an annoying game, I think. I have win, but I don't feel great about it. Mm-hmm. That's all I got. Ed's going to be there. Yeah, I will. Ed's going to be bringing the the home field environment to uh, Piscataway. Yeah, I feel horrible about this game. I've said all year I feel horrible about this game. We play Marshall at Marshall. Marshall's the the second best team that we play in September. I, I am not expecting to win that football game. Nope. Nope. Tech might not even be favored. Billy, you you tweeted that yesterday, and I'm in total agreement with you. And I mentioned this on social media. Like, Tech might not be favored in that game against Marshall. That's going to be a really annoying game. They went into South Bend last year, be a Notre Dame team, they end up winning nine games. I don't think Grant, that's going to be an easy game. Grant Wells' revenge game. Hokey dub. Grant Wells is playing against Grant. Both quarterbacks are named Grant. Fun fact. Hmm. Uh, and then the toughest game that we play all season, our fifth game of September, not the toughest game we play all season, the toughest game we play all September, uh, we play on September 30th and it's Pitt. And, and I say this all the time. We love to make fun of Pat Narduzzi. Pat Narduzzi has done an unbelievable job building this program. The fact that Pitt is in contention for ACC championships, um, what he has been able to do with that program has been I don't want to, I never say astounding. I I think it's astounding what he's been able to accomplish at Pittsburgh. Um, And they have a tough culture. We played them really probably better than we should have last year. If Israel and Abanacanda had the flu or something, maybe we would have won the game. Um, But um, I I don't feel great about Pittsburgh either. Glad it's at home. (laughs) But uh, yeah, I don't feel great about it either. I, I, I think Pitt can be had. Tech historically has had more success playing Pitt at home than than on the road. I just don't feel particularly good about it. Pat Narduzzi is a really good coach. He's built a really good program. I echo everything you've said. This is one of the toughest games Tech is going to play all year. They've lost some talent. I think it's crazy. I still, I, I, I still don't mm-hmm. know. I don't, I don't like that game for us. Um but that being said, I've got us four and one out of the month of September. I think our consensus was somewhere between three and two and four and one across the three of us there, it sounded like. So on a, all in all, three and two, not a bad September. 
if you told me in September, oh, yeah, there it is. There it is. Um, here's what I'll say, and I'm just going to share this with you because it's just something I think about every time I see Pitt's logo. It's crazy to think that the time, the last time that we played relevant football past mid-October was that Pitt game in 2019. Now, yes, we every game matters. You play UVA in November every single year. But the last time Virginia Tech was really competing to play for an ACC championship was 2019 against Pittsburgh. We haven't played really meaningful football past even like beginning of October since that day, which is cr- crazy to think about. Um, and then we go to Tallahassee on October 7th to play Florida State. I think this will be quick. Yeah, the the Jackson Lee Mitchell Bowl, uh, Florida State wins that game. Just be competitive. I think it's a great opportunity. Be competitive. Be competitive. Be competitive. Try your best. Mm -hmm. I will. I will say I'm not as high on Florida State as I think most people are, especially in the national media. I think they. they, I I need to see more out of them before I'm as high on them as most people are. But that being said, that's a tough place to play a game. Um, And Jordan Travis is a very talented player, so I'm gonna go with an L. Wake, well, I'm just saying, a lot of people are saying, if somehow you stumble your way out of September 4-1 and one, or, or God forbid, 5-0, and oh, college game day could be going to that game. Just just saying, don't mean to speak that out into the ether. Um, Wake Forest on October 14th. This is probably the game on the schedule I'm the most unsure about, simply because I think Wake Forest is so well coached, and we're playing the game at home. They've had some bad injury luck at the wide receiver position. They're re, they have to reload at the quarterback position. I, I really I, I'm not gonna have a feel for that game, I don't think, until like the week of and I see more of Wake Forest and I see more of us. I, I really I have no idea. It's one of two games on the schedule, in my opinion. Tech really, really needs to win. They want to make a bowl game. Yeah. Yeah. Really, really important swing game. I think we win that game, but I'm with Billy. That's one of those I'm gonna feel a lot better following the Rutgers or Marshall game about where we are against wake um but where we sit currently right now on august 24th um you know 50 yards from smith mountain lake and that clean mountain air i will say that we beat wake forest in that game syracuse thursday night october 26th hollow weekend gotta win it I, I, you have to win that game i mean it is it is the the crown jewel of the home games this year um i <laughs> I think we're going to win, and I think we need to win that football game. I mean, should be. I got to win it. I mean, if you drop, look, if if Tech drops Rutgers and Marshall in September, like, you got to beat Syracuse, you got to beat Wake, you got to maybe beat Pitt. Like this is this Syracuse game could be an important swing game too. A lot of these games on the schedule are like 50, 50 games, but you point to a few of the home games. You're like, man, you got, (laughs) you got to win these. You brought this up. I was going to save it for the end of the schedule, but I think when you look at the schedule for the first time months ago, you're like, our schedule sucks. We're not playing anybody. I'll say this. If you just take, if you just take like the, the brands off, and you're just like, I want to watch competitive football games. Every game on this schedule, for the exception of probably Old Dominion, or definitely Old Dominion and Florida State and maybe Pitt, I think all of these games are going to be one-score spread games. They're probably going to be closer to yeah. three or four points. 
Oh yeah. Um, yep. So if you're looking to go against teams where you want to find out if your team knows how to win and knows how to finish games, I think all of these games are going to be one possession games going into the fourth quarter. I, that, that's just how I feel. I think this is a very competitive schedule for where we are right now. Um, then you shift the focus over to Louisville, who has probably one of the weaker schedules in college football. And Louisville is always really talented. They just are. They just have a lot of talent on their football teams. Louisville is a little bit of a dark horse. People are talking about them. I think their win total is eight and a half. People are talking about them as ACC dark horses. Um, I don't feel amazing about that game. I have it as a loss, but again, I just don't. I I, I, I want to know what our identity is come November. So um, I, I have us as a loss for Louisville. You'd rather get Louisville early in the year than late. First year head coach talented team returning um i i'm not sold i mean <laughs> the quarterback position is a pretty big question mark like they got jack Plummer coming in jack Plummer was the quarterback at purdue under brahm aiden o'connell beat him out so Plummer transferred to cal for a year Plummer saved justin wilcox's job last year and then decided you know he said see you later i'm going back and going to try to play some like real power five football. I'm going to go to the ACC and follow my old coach, Jeff Brom. So now he's back playing for Brom under Brian Brom's system. Brian Brom, the offense coordinator for Louisville. And he knows that system really well, but Jack Plummer isn't like some outstanding player. He's a fine quarterback, but this game's on the road. Louisville, you mentioned the schedule, buddy. This team might not even be that good compared to last year. It might be like pretty much the same team. And they're just by virtue of the schedule. If they play the same level of football they did a year ago, they're going to win two or three more games. Like this is a team that could end up in Charlotte in the ACC championship game and not even really belong there. Like that's kind of how I feel about Louisville. They, they could absolutely make it to Charlotte. Their schedule is that soft. They could win nine. They could win 10. They could end up in Charlotte. And it doesn't even necessarily mean they're that good. It just means they're competent enough compared to the rest of the ACC schedule that they're facing that they could end up in a conference championship game. And, you know, maybe they're competitive, right? Maybe they are better than I think they are. But if this is the same team as last year with like a first year head coach, they could get there just by virtue of their schedule. Tough game for Virginia Tech here. Tough schedule draw. You'd rather get them early than late. I have this as a loss. I love that Mike just gives this incredibly eloquent history lesson on Louisville and where they are <laughs> and why they are where they are. And my analysis is that I want to go so I can go to Buffalo Trace on the way to or from the game. Like, I just have nothing for this, but I'm going to give it an L because Mike told me to. Boston College. Look, um, I love Boston. I, it's weird. It's it's an it's 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 an elite. It's an elite. East. You knew this was coming. Boston I College. Saw the doc. I saw the doc. I saw the doc <laughs> this, and I was like, I know what he's gonna do. It's gonna be a whole soliloquy about Boston. Look, it's, go ahead, dude. Get on your soapbox. Come on. It's 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 a city of winners, and it's a city of cheap owners, and it's not a place that you want to be in November. I, it is just. I, I love love Jeff Halfley and I have heard my personal opinion is that the the pipes are calling Johnny for uh for Jeff Halfley because I just don't 
I don't think that he's recruited at a high enough level and it's an impossible job to win at. And then I've heard other people say, well, Boston College is going to be better and then Jeff Hapley is going to leave and he's going to take a better job. I have no idea. I just feel horrible about going to Boston College in November. So I have this as an L as well. BC is going to really suck potentially. Um, But it's on the road in November. Tech's got to win this game. Like, there's so many games on the schedule. Like, they got to win it. You know, like, there's a reason why the win total is five and a half. Like, you got to win some of these. Yeah. Yeah. That's the, that's the thing that, that that's what you're talking about. The the ceiling and the and the floor are so far apart because every single game, there is no game. I was talking to Bryce Chalkley on the phone today, and he would always talk about how sometimes it's good to just sit on the couch and watch your team kick somebody's ass. We don't have that non FCS FBS whatever. I don't even know what the abbreviation is for it. Marshall is better than your typical Marshall team. You play Old Dominion outside of Old Dominion, like there is no oh we get to play we get to play so and so this week. And Old Dominion is going to be really bad, but then I can't even like have the pleasure of going into that game feeling that good about it because of what happened last year. And I guess Blacksburg and Old Dominion is worse, Mm -hmm. and we have their best receiver on our team now. I get all that, but I just like out of principle, I can't get as excited about that game as I should. Outside of it being the opener and football's back and all that stuff, but as far as like enthusiasm that like we're going to go in and win that game by four touchdowns like going into it I just can't feel that just because of what happened last year so are you win or lost oh for BC yes I'm going uh, I have a record prediction I don't know how my uh how the math's going here I'll go with loss I'll go with loss <laughs> yeah I have no idea what, what games are adding up to what at this point. But <laughs> no, I, that's why I said forget about it. Forget because they're because they the like the way that I go through the way that I go through the schedule is like okay, out of these three games, we need to find a way to win two of them. Of these yeah, four games, we got to find a way to win one that's of them. Like you know, so Ed, I need your prediction for Boston College, and you can spend a couple sentences talking about how awesome Fenway is. Dude, Fenway was really cool. Um, Boston was really cool. Uh, I think we win the game, though, and I'm sure you will somehow find a way to be in Boston that weekend. I don't know, man. November in Boston is just not it's not, not a ton of fun, but I probably will. I so what a, what will. a not grit thing of you to say. It's just, I mean, honestly, I, I'll own that. Yeah, that was pretty that was pretty ungrit of me. <laughs> um, I mean, dude, it's 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 1036. It's getting the it's getting past my bedtime on the subject of non grit things. Uh, NC State at home. Oh man, another one of those games, man, where I'm like, this would be a game you, you want to win, especially if you don't feel good about Louisville and you feel okay about Boston College. It's Brennan Armstrong, who I'm kind of pissed at how this went in Hot Wings and Hot Takes because everyone poo-pooed on my, on my take saying that Brennan Armstrong and uh, Riley Leonard were going to be awesome. I think Brennan Armstrong is going to be fantastic at NC State. He has his offensive coordinator back that he had at UVA. I think that NC State, again, talented football. I think Brennan Armstrong is going to be awesome this year. I think he's going to be an all-conference player. So I, I like the, that the game's at home. If I'm grouping together Louisville, Boston College, and NC State, I you have to win one of those games. I have no idea which one of them are. You probably would l- rather win two of them if you're looking for a bowl. I can't talk myself into – 
I, I don't think I can talk myself into winning the the NC State game at this point. I, um, I'm bullish on Armstrong. Can't. I'm bullish on Anai with Armstrong. I, Doran's a good coach. They've been playing a lot better under him the last few years in particular. Tech had this team on the ropes last year. Mm-hmm. The, that's the that's the thing though. Like NC State is, uh, you know, they're a team that can be had, but you'd rather this is. Will we game. have them? This this <laughs> yeah. is a game you'd rather. This is another game you'd rather have in September, uh, November, for sure. Um, I'll know. I think I'll. I'll know, uh, I think I know. I'll know how I will feel about this game in three weeks after I've seen Grant Wells play a couple of times. But where we sit right now, I'm going to chalk it up as an L. I got to tell you, the state of Carolina is going to have some damn good football this year. I should. Duke man. is going to be good. North Carolina State's going to be good. App State, gritty, gritty football team. And North Carolina's talented. I have no idea what they're going to do. I'm bummed out we don't play them this year. Um, but North Carolina, man, they have a, a fun slate of football. And then Virginia, I wouldn't predict us to, to lose this game if we were if they had Alabama's roster and they couldn't have more of the opposite of Alabama's roster. And I'm, I'm really not – I'm really not picking on them. I have no idea what that program's doing. I don't know what they're doing in recruiting. I don't know what they're doing in uh, promotion. Their tweets are horrible. I just, I really, it is, we just talked about North Carolina. It it is, it is sad, the situation. I've said this before, and I'm, I'm sorry to ramble. I want the rivalry with, your rival school to mean something and they have just been so bad and granted we haven't been great either but i think i think that is with the exception of probably old dominion the least competitive game that we're going to play i think they're they are extreme their their defense was decimated by transfers last year um if i had to hang my hat on one on one game out of power five schools it's that game UVA, the UVA game. I'm I go even going to Charlottesville. I think going into the year, knowing what I know about you know Virginia Tech, what I know about UVA, I think I feel more strongly that Virginia Tech's going to beat UVA than Virginia Tech's going to beat Old Dominion. I really mean that. UVA is going to be terrible. I mean. They're they're starting an FC now. He was good at Monmouth. They're starting an FCS transfer and and Musket, who's do you fine. do you know where Monmouth is, bro? Like, I do. Talk about this with my buddies on the. I roof. do. Uh, we were at we were at Five and Diamond Westwood, and they were like, "This dude was literally getting on the NJ Transit to go do green tee shots with his Manhattan girlfriend, and now he has to go to Knoxville. I, it, it is a disaster." scenario they're going to be really 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 bad the transfer thing on defense billy that you mentioned like i don't know who's suiting up on defense if they win four games it'll be an accomplishment this is their win totals three and a half they're going to be really 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 bad really bad like you can't there are some things that that you know in a rebuild you can give a coach a pass on pry and his staff finding a way to lose to UVA would be preposterous. It would be really bad vibes going into either a bowl game or an off season. It cannot happen. No, you're not losing that game and go to a bowl game. There's, you, no, 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 no. Right. If you were on a space journey 
If you are on a space journey with no Wi-Fi and your and your Apollo 18 cube smashed into the Earth and you didn't know what Virginia Tech's record was, but you know that they lost to this UVA team, you yeah, know that they're not, not going bowling. bowling. Agreed. Um, no, totally so, agree. uh, real quick, Ed, what do you, what do you think about the UVA game? Because I'm assuming it's the same thing. Oh, I was just gonna say if we lost them, Al Jones. I mean, our guy, Al Jones, brain oh. would blow up. Um, no, I think I mean I I'm not like a huge Brandon Walker guy. I think he's funny, and I think like they do some good work on that podcast at Barstool. But he had a clip; it popped up on my TikTok feed of him talking about UVA, and it was hysterical. So bad, dude. He, he more or less. Well, was don't look up what he said. He, they might be the worst Power Five team in the country this year. Um, yeah, I have no idea what's going on over there. If you lose that game, whoo! So I'm gonna go with a win just for the sake of my sanity. I'll I'll say this: Don't watch the entirety of the Brennan Walker podcast because he wasn't a lot nicer to us than he was to to UVA on that pod. I'll say, say this real quick before before we give our our total number and, and go to bed. I'm just looking at their schedule. UVA plays Tennessee and Nashville, James Madison at home, Maryland, NC State at home, Boston College, William and Mary at home, North Carolina, Miami, Georgia Tech at home, Louisville, Duke, Virginia Tech. I, they're not going to beat JMU. They might beat Georgia Tech, and they should beat William and Mary. And William and I Mary mean, was really. William and Mary was the fourth ranked team in the FCS last year. Like that's going to be no walk in the park, and they should they should beat them. They should beat them, but that's not going to be a walk in the park either. And that's Under. like their hang their hat. You're supposed to win that game. I, I I don't I literally do not see a way that they win more than than three games. They might win one game this year. So it's all what the is their table. over under? Do you know that? Three you and a half. That, three and a half is what I'm seeing most often. Find bad, your nearest sports bad vibes, gentlemen. I think their ceiling bad is vibes. four wins. Ugh. Well, yeah. That is a season preview. Stick your flag in a number. I'm I'm gonna. Ed's laughing because he probably thinks I'm going to say eight and four because I have seven and five written down here, and I always I always do that. I'm going to go I'm going to go with seven and five, and if you go back and you replay the tape, you're probably like Bill. You just went through the exercise and you came out. I am I am banking on Virginia <laughs> Tech finding a way to win some of these coin flip games. That's really what it comes down. Like you can go through this schedule five times, you're gonna have a diff- you're gonna have a different answer every single time. You're gonna Correct. you're gonna pick something differently. So, um. I do firmly believe that we go bowling. I think that is I think that is something that would be one, a good accomplishment, and two, something that kind of needs to happen. So um I'll go with seven and five. Do I feel great about it? No. But I am gonna go with seven and five. I am going five and seven. And the reason why is because I hate the September slate. I hate it. Some days I can look at it, I'm like, yeah, I feel okay about it. I hate it. You're going to Piscataway, and then you have to, the following week, go to Huntington, West Virginia. I hate that so much. You got to beat Purdue, right? Obviously, you got to beat Old Dominion, but you got to beat Purdue. If Virginia Tech goes 2-2 two and two in September, I'm sorry, like in the first four games of September, because I'm, I'm chalking up that pit game as a real like lean L. You know, you kind of lean L there. Um. Those first four games are so crucially important before the start of ACC play. You got to find a way to at least win two of them. If Tech wins three, I think if Tech wins three out of their first four, 
this is a bowl team. Just looking at the rest of the schedule, I think it's absolutely a bowl team. I think what's the most likely outcome is Tech probably goes two and two in the first four, and then that pit game becomes a really important swing game. But September is going to tell us literally everything we need to know. And that doesn't mean the team can't improve throughout the year and pick off a game or two in ACC play, but we're going to have a really firm idea, I think, of where we're at in terms of whether or not this is going to be a bowl team based on how this team looks in the month of September. And it's just not, it looks like a relatively easy schedule. You know, I think if, you know, we're in year three or year four of Brent Pry, I think we feel a lot better about the schedule than we do right now. But I'm going to go five and seven. And it's really just what it boils down to is quarterback. I, I think the quarterback position will improve. I mentioned, you know, Wells is the most improved you know, player. I, I'm with you, Billy. I agree with that. I'm concerned about injuries on offensive line. I'm concerned about lack of a pass rush. And I'm concerned if, you know, there are some injuries up front and some of the younger guys get in. You know, you get into ACC play against some of these better defensive lines, and Tech's going to play several pretty solid fronts um, in the middle of ACC play. Forget Pitt and Florida State. Like, those are obviously going to be good defensive fronts, but getting to the back half of his schedule, Louisville's going to have a good front. BC is going to have a good front. NC State's going to have a good front. If you're battling some injuries up front, like, how do you, how do you block those front sevens, right? That, that's my concern. So I'm going to go with five and seven. This team's got a seven or an eight win ceiling, though. I really believe that. I think this is going to be a good bridge team for Virginia Tech, even if you know Tech doesn't necessarily make a bowl game. I think there's going to be some progress. I think there's going to be some signs. And the biggest thing I'm looking for this year, more than wins or losses, I know I'm rambling here, sorry, but the biggest thing I'm I'm looking for this year regarding you know even more than wins and losses is are you competitive in some of these tougher games, right? Are you competitive against Pitt to open ACC play? Are you showing some heart in Tallahassee and not just rolling the helmets out and getting absolutely waxed? You know, are, it, are you down three scores in the first quarter or are you hanging in the game in the third? Like that, that's the type of stuff I'm going to be watching. Then you get in the back half of ACC play and against some of these teams that certainly have some questions, you're getting at home. <laughs> you know, you get Syracuse at home. NC State's still got some questions on defense, but they're going to have a pretty decent squad. Just pick off a game or two that maybe you're not necessarily supposed to win. Maybe you're not favored in. And then look competent throughout the year. Just look competent. Don't commit a million false starts. The game management from Pry and his staff needs to be better. Don't turn the ball over a ton, Grant Wells. Like, Start doing the little things a little bit better. And I, I, I'm hoping that this is a better watch this year at the very least because last year got tough to watch pretty quick. Uh, yeah, I've written down seven and five with the caveat that there will be one dropped game that shouldn't be a dropped game. Um, so my official prediction is six and six. Um, but I agree with Mike that this team has a seven and, you know, if all things are clicking, maybe eight win ceiling. Um, the depth across the board is concerning, particularly in the offensive line. But uh, I, I my official, official prediction is six and six, which would hit the over. Um, on the Vegas win total right now, which I would view as a, I don't know when to say monumentous step in the right direction, but six and six would feel pretty good, and seven and five would feel feel pretty awesome. So uh, I'm going to go with somewhere in that ballpark, but my official prediction will be six and six. I completely agree. I think I think from a heartbeat perspective, 
if you're complaining with a six and six record, your, your expectations are out of that ain't it. Expectations are out of whack. Um, yeah. I think I th- I think four wins, you're pretty bummed out. Five wins, you're like okay. If you're anything over five wins, you probably feel pretty good, and you should feel pretty good because it doesn't yeah. you can't get lost on you uh, how much of a job that this is. So I'm excited. I'm excited again. You look at the schedule in April. You're like, this blows. We don't play Miami. We don't play North Carolina. Every single game on this schedule is probably exactly what this team needs to prove what we need to see out of what we're hoping we're we're marching in the right direction for. So I do appreciate both of you. Thank you guys so much. Mike McDaniel, if I don't see you at a Virginia Tech game, if I don't meet you in the calendar year of 2023, Dude. I don't know if you'll be welcome back. I was going to say, dude, I've been doing a basketball podcast with Mike for three years. We met one time. So, like, yeah, I'm jealous. Where did you guys meet? Dude, you were off doing something. You had some lanyard. You were going somewhere cool that other people couldn't get behind the ropes. It was yeah. me and Mike Ed, Ed and I, I tailgated together. Me and Mike were just out there uh, on some of the streets just doing our thing. And you were over there, you know, shaking hands and kissing. And I bet you, I bet you a couple, I've met Ed a couple times. We hung out at the, uh, hung out the Navy basketball game too. Oh yeah. That was fun. That was. You were at the Navy basketball game. We watched that in San Diego years and years and years ago. Mike, last thing, and I promise let you go to bed. Any any week zero thoughts? By the way, if you're, I, I saw a, a stu- stupid thing on Twitter. I saw it's like if you didn't go to any of the schools and you're watching the games, you're you're a sick person. I am extremely excited to watch the Navy game. I am extremely extremely excited to watch <laughs> yeah. the USC game. I I can't believe football is here. But any any week one, week zero observations. Notre Dame by a million. Navy with a new coach. Sam Hartman, uh, I don't think that's going to go swell for Navy. I think it's like that's a my red. Yeah, yeah, and D could cover there. It's Navy always plays Notre Dame tough, but like this is this is kind of uncharted territory for Navy with the new coach and all that. I just Sam Hartman got the whole team beats headphones for the flight over. Pretty sick. Gold. That's gold pretty tight. Headphones. Yeah, that's pretty tight. That's pretty tight. Well, that's a podcast. Wrapping it up at uh, 10.52 p.m. This actually probably will hit your feed tomorrow morning because I'll just stay up to do it. So hope Zach everybody Bryan's, has a great day. Zach Bryan's album's out in a little, little over an hour. So, you know, I'll, I'll be awake. If you are listening to this podcast, tweet at Ed and ask him for his <laughs> live reactions of uh, of the Zach Bryan. Uh, I know this is a big day for you tomorrow, Ed. Song so, by song. Mike McDaniel. Song Mike your girl. Mike, any projects coming out? Where can we find your no, stuff? No, no, no. Don't, don't, no, not going to Mike yet. Southwest Virginia's own Morgan Wade with an album tonight as well. I did not know that. That comes out tonight. It does. Wow. Floyd, wow. Virginia. Riddle, riddle, riddle me surprised. I will be listening to. I should have put that on the freaking poll, um, which everybody's shredding me for. I don't know what other people are listening to. There's a fish album that comes out tomorrow. Uh, they're like, oh, is this on your radar? Yes, Drake and uh, Zach Bryan are on my radar. Mike, where can we find your stuff? What are you writing about? What's going on? SI.com, at Mike McDaniel SI on Twitter. Uh, I'm a breaking news writer for Sports Illustrated. So if there's a breaking, if there's a breaking news story for basically any sport, I am one of several team members writing about it. Uh Basketball conference, ACC football podcast. I have my own Virginia Tech podcast, Hokie Hangover. Got to plug that as well. Yes, you do. You do great work, Mike. You do great work, Ed. Good night, everybody. And we will talk to you soon. Win the swing games. Win, Win the swing the games. Win games. Find a way. Looking forward to it, fellas. Reach out to UNC.